In Jesus' name we have prayed. Father, we thank you for today. It's a beautiful day we have come to. Thank you for the blessing prepared. We receive it by faith in the name of Jesus Christ. We declare, let's go. The Lord has given us spirit and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will in our spiritual wisdom and understanding as a result of this. I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing Him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to His Word. What is entering my heart is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I said Amen. Amen. All right, let's open our Bibles. Let's get kicking. The True Grace Encounter. Please, let's quickly open to the, uh, to the book of Psalms. I want us to read from Psalm 78. Now, I just want to, I'm going to verse 9, but let's just take um, a bit of context. So I'll start from verse 1. Listen, O my people, to my instruction. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. Verse 4, we will not conceal them from their children, but tell to the generation to come the praises of the Lord, and his strength and his wondrous works which he has done. For he established a testimony in Jacob, and appointed the law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers, that we should teach them to their children that the generation to come might know, even the children yet to be born, that they may arise and tell them to their own children, he was saying, that they should put their confidence in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments and not be like their fathers. Yes, now notice verse 8. Now God has ordained that these children should not be like their fathers. What were their fathers like? A stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that did not prepare its heart and whose spirit was not faithful to God. Now, how did they manifest it? Look at verse 9. The sons of Ephraim were archers, equipped with bows, yet they turned back in the day of battle. They did not keep the covenant of God and refused to walk in his law. Please notice it. This is what the fathers were like. And God has established a testimony, a law, which he has commanded that these children must learn. What is it that the children must learn? That they must not be like their fathers. Their fathers, he said, were rebellious. A stubborn generation. A generation that did not prepare its heart. And whose spirit, I'm reading verse 8, was not faithful to God. Now, this is the explanation. They were archers. Now, I was reading um, Jameson. Uh, there's this particular com- um, commentary. Uh, Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown. And he said that the sons of Ephraim there stood as representatives of the people of Israel. That they were the ones reigning in the days of the judges. So when the Bible talked about the sons of Ephraim here, it wasn't talking about the people of um, the tribe Ephraim alone. But the, since they were the rulers, they were standing as it were as representatives 
of the whole nation of Israel. So you see, essentially God was saying here that these are, this is how the former generation of Israel behaved. How did they behave? I equipped them. I taught them. They were archers. They were equipped with bows. Yet they turned back in the day of battle. They did not keep the covenant of God and refused to walk in his law. I'm going to stop reading here in this verse 10. Now open your Bibles also, please quickly bear that in mind, to Second Corinthians. I want us to read something there, Second Corinthians. We are talking about the true grace encounter. And I want us to just um, note certain issues about the encounter with grace. How we should not, in fact, I'm going to find a shorter expression to caption this message later. But what I have to say is that we should not receive the grace of God in vain. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Let's start from chapter 5. Now, I have a bit of a problem here to decide where to start from. So our reading won't be too long because what I'm going to is chapter 6. Let's start from 6. Okay, Paul was writing... Therefore, being always of good courage, of course, you understand that we're kind of taking it from the middle somewhere, just to try and get the context. Where I'm going is far, so look into your Bible, we're going to be there for a long time. So, therefore, being always of good courage, and knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. Now, we know this because we walk by faith and not by sight. He said, being absent from the Lord, we are of good courage, I say, and prefer rather to be absent from the body and be at home with the Lord. Therefore, we also have as our ambition. Now, listen to this. very important. This is crucial for every Christian. He said, therefore, we also have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, our ambition is to be pleasing to him. Our goal is to be pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. That's just an aside, but let's bear it in mind. As you see, this champion of grace, nobody preached grace like Paul, but he warned everybody that our goal is to what? Walk in a manner that is pleasing to him. Because you know one day, he's going to ask us questions. And he's going to say, how did you live while you were in the body. That's very important. Therefore, having the fear of the Lord, we persuade men. But we are made manifest to God, and I hope that we are made manifest also in your consciences. That is, let me just read really in translation there. It said, God knows we are sincere, and I hope you know this too. And I said, are we commending ourselves to you again? He said, no, we are not commending ourselves to you again. But we are giving you an occasion to be proud of us so that you will have an answer for those who take pride in appearance and not in heart. So you can answer those who brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart. That's New Living Translation there. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are of sound mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us. Having concluded this, that one, one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all, so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Before I continue reading, Paul was saying here, 
no matter what you see us behaving like, if we are behaving like crazy people, it is because we have to obey God. If we calm ourselves down and try to be saved, we understand that we have to be a blessing to you. What we're saying is that in everything we are doing, whether we look good or look bad, we have just two things in mind. Number one, to be pleasing to God in all that we do, to obey the call of God for our lives, to fulfill the ministry that God has given us. That is number one. Number two is to be a blessing to the people we have been sent to minister to. Paul said those are the two things, you know, dictating everything we do. If it looks like we are crazy, that's the reason. If it looks like we are okay, that's the reason. Do you get my point? If we are fighting on the street, I'm not saying we should fight. Are you getting my point? We are trying to get a place to go and preach to you. We are not doing any other thing. We are not trying to do anything for any other purpose than for these two things that I have listed. We are not trying to build a big ministry for ourselves. That's not the reason why we are doing what we are doing. We are not trying to make money. That's not the reason why we are doing what we are doing. If we put a message on the internet, it's not so that we want to be popular. Are you getting my point? We want to be able to receive it. Are you getting what I'm saying? If we organize a meeting, we're not trying to raise money. We're looking for an avenue to express the gift of God in our lives and fulfill the assignment that he has given us. He said, this is all we are doing. Why? Because we understand that one day, and it's not going to be funny, one day we are going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And we have to give account for all that we did in this life. Just to, as an aside, this is not a month. Okay, well, it's part of what I wanted to preach anyway. Listen, this is how you should live your life as a believer. Whatever you are doing, make sure it's fulfilling these two things. Are you getting my point? Make sure it is fulfilling these two things. Every decision you are making, ask yourself, in this decision I'm making, how is it, how is this fulfilling? The, how am I working in a manner pleasing to God? How am I being a blessing to the people that are out there? Those are the things. He said, therefore, let me continue reading, verse 16. From now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, that we know he's a Jew and all of that. He said, now we know him in this way no longer. This is all we know, verse 17. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. What is that ministry? That God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us that word, the word of reconciliation. Paul was saying that this is what God has given us to do. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Are you getting my point? Since we are here reconciling people on God's behalf, God is speaking through us. He said that makes us ambassadors for Christ. As though Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him, that is, this is the basis of reconciliation. He made him, he knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf. That is a sin offering, the guilt offering. All right? In fact, I like New Living Translation there. He said to be the offering for our sin. And that is very correct. Okay? It's very, very correct. So that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Now notice verse, continue that. There's no break here. He said, and working together with him, that is in this reconciliation ministry, we also urge you who have received this grace, listen to this, not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, at the acceptable time, I listened to you. 
And on the day of salvation, I helped you. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. I have to stop here. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. I think I can stop reading here for a moment while we chat. Alright, so we have been looking at this issue of um, the true grace encounter. And please, let's understand that. That's the reason why I felt I should do the teaching. Let's understand what grace is. Because, you know, the problem was that many people began to speak as if grace is a cover for our faults. As if grace is a cover for our shortcomings. Grace is not the cover for our shortcomings. Please, we need to emphasize it. Grace is not, it does not mean that, you know, because there is grace, everything I do goes. We just read here that Paul wrote to them, we understand, we are careful how we live. Why? We know that each one of us, we have to stand, all right, before the judgment seat of Christ one day. It guides what we are doing. It guides what we are doing. We are very, very careful. When we are making our choices, we are not making our choices based on what is comfortable. How can I make more money? How can I prosper better? How can I enjoy this life better? No, there are things that guide what we are doing. So we are seeing that grace is not the cover for our disobedience. It's not. It's not. Rather, 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 listen to this. We've been talking about it. Grace is the reason why we can obey. Why did grace manifest? Grace manifested to make Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Grace manifested so that they will be able to stand against the pressures in Babylon. Do you get my point? That is grace. It's not you catch um, Ananias in the, in the palace, you know, eating anything, sacrifice to idols, bowing before any kind of shrine, and rocking all the Babylonian royal babes. You get what I'm saying? And then you now say, Ananias, what are you doing? He said, grace is available. Grace has covered all of this that I'm doing. That's not what it means. It means that even though you threaten him, that listen, eat this, bow here. Otherwise, we will kill you. The man will look at the fire with which you are going to roast him. Okay? And consider the fire more comfortable than the anger of God. It's grace. It's not common sense. That is grace. Grace makes him stand, no matter the pressure of the society. So the person wants to brag on grace, brags on the success in the obedience to God despite the pressures. I don't know whether you're getting my point here. That is a bragging of grace. You know, when Paul said that grace has manifested, manifested telling us to depart from iniquity. Look, M- Moses told us that too. I don't know whether you're getting my point. The Moses did not tell us to depart from iniquity. So what is the big deal that Paul was telling us that grace has manifested? You know, writing to is it, uh, Titus uh, that uh, we should depart from iniquity. What, what, what was the big deal? I'll tell you. I'll tell you. What grace was saying different is that before Moses gave you commandments, do you understand? Without power. Now, grace, when grace is talking, grace is not just giving you commandments. The words are the empowerment to depart from iniquity. That is the difference. You are getting my point here? So that is grace. We, that's what grace is. That is what grace is. That's what we are trying to emphasize. That's why I began to do all of these teachings. All right? Now, listen. When grace manifests, people walk in righteousness despite the fact that the whole society is going crazy. That's what it means. That's why, that's why grace increases. Where sin abounds. It doesn't mean sin abounds in our lives. No, sin abounds in the environment. So grace increases. What was Paul trying to emphasize when he said that? So that is, we don't have any explanation. We don't have any excuse. So, so that we say that is the pressure of the society. 
the iniquity, you know, like, I mean, every body of people have their problems. Are you getting my point? One major problem in Nigeria, you understand, the iniquity, the iniquity of the Nigerian man, you know. I heard a preacher explain that long ago, that the blood of Jesus cleanses from all iniquity. So that was the iniquity was talking about, the general tendency for sin. So the iniquity of the Nigerian man is corruption. They're always looking for money. Are you getting my point? No, it's, you know, sometimes it is terrible. Ah! You, you know, it's, it's terrible. You get to the gate of your institution. Hey! They, they give you one kind of greeting. The man who does not even know who you are. Open the gate, let me pass. Is there anything for the boys? And you're looking at him like, what now? <laughs> Did I say it wrongly? I don't know. Don't forgive me, all right? At least you get the idea. <laughs> not this good. <laughs> I mean, he's calling me boss of all bosses or something. And I look like, do I look like an Italian mafioso? <laughs> the Lord is good. No, you hear it all the time. You know, that is the problem of society. You go there, ah, okay, please, I appreciate. You know, you just be looking. Sometimes it is tiring. There are times you want to give. There are times you don't want to give. You know, the funny thing, I do something just by the way. You know, these girls that sell, um, for the filling stations, all right? They they're not well paid. So I just have, I, I always believe this is my own personal thing. You can do things the way you like. I'm not saying this is the law of God. It's just me. I reward good behavior. All right? If you're begging your feet, all right, you are at the junction, I will never give you a dime. Never. There's nothing you want to explain when I don't believe you. All right? But if you are walking and I feel like you're poorly paid, I will dash you money. That's just my own attitude. Just my habit. I finish paying for foil. I tap you. I, I dash you something, you know? Something like that. But if you mistakenly ask for it, that is it. Nothing for you. I want you to learn to be content with your wages. But if you do your work, in fact, hey, uh, um, let me, uh, uh, remind me that I'm preaching. You know, this gist, people like it too much. That is the reason why you keep gist. There's one man in my office like that, the gate. That one, without, the other guy will be hailing me. He has been hailing me for generations past, <laughs> never giving him a dime. But there's one man, senior to him, bit, you know, senior man. That one, he just his walk. He will greet you very nicely. Ah, dog, good afternoon. Not, you can see, he's not slowing down to get it. He just takes your tally, lets you in. You wind down. He greets you, collects your tally and turns. Occasionally, I pause. Hmm? I give the man good money. I just, I'll go, how now? How's everything? As I'm handing the tally, the man will look at the money and give me. Ah, <laughs> thank you, sir. You know, you see the, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> thank you, sir. You know that kind of thing. But once you make it a habit of begging there, eh? forget it. I'm going to answer you. Occasionally, out of just, oh, there's one thing they call Ajegba Makpamije in Yoruba. Go and ask Allah Yenka what it means. <laughs> They're just like, take, let me have some peace. Uh-huh. Occasionally, <laughs> that is what I do. Okay, now back to what I'm trying to say, all right? We just got distracted there. I know what I'm saying. So it's our iniquity as a country. People say it's poverty is not. The people that beg the most have a, they have a lot of money. No, it's, it's not. Um, I mean, it's not poverty. It's not poverty. It's a general problem of the society. Now, I want to understand something here. Now, what the Bible is saying is this. That's what grace is. God says, when I put my grace upon my people, they walk in there, they must be visibly different. Now, I referred to this some time ago, just a few meetings ago. The crusade that uh, that Rabbi Schneider came to do in Enugu. He said that he had never seen a group of people that lied as much as Nigerians. Oh, yes, that was his message. Remember my friend went there. He said he had never... Ah, that you guys can lie. He made an altar call based on people who lie. 
that this kind of lying he has never seen. And listen to this. It's a custom. It's just a custom. When I say custom, is that many people don't even understand that things can be done differently. Now, I said I talked the other day about the mystery of iniquity. It's in the air. These things come like pressures upon people. That's how it is. It was so bad that when Jesus came into Israel that all the men were adulterers. All of them, almost. I, okay, when I say all, I don't mean 100%. Are you getting my point? Vast majority. Including those who were keeping the law against adultery. So when the young, then you, the young woman was brought to him, <clears throat> he looked at her, instantly understood, this is the victim of the iniquity in the air. What is the message? Grace has come so that anyone who believes in Christ can stand against all of these things. It is a lie of a doctrine for us to say that because grace is available, I can do these things and get away with them. Are you getting my point? And that is what people try to popularize as grace. That is not what grace is. That's not what grace is. Grace is that, yes, these things may be there. I am walking into Babylon. Grace is with me. I am not going to eat any nonsense food. I'm not bowing to any strange idol. The pressure in Babylon was strong. Everybody was on their neck. Don't forget that. The man who was in charge of training the young boys was there. The immediate supervisor was there. The fear of the king was there. The king's fear manifested the number of times in which they were threatened with the fiery furnace. Another king came. Daniel was threatened with being thrown into the lion's den. The pressure was there. What is grace? Grace is that those men did not bow. That's the first thing about grace we've been talking about. That's the first thing. Let's bear it in mind. So anybody preaching any other thing and calling it grace, he doesn't understand what grace is. The law came by Moses. But grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. Bear in mind. Second thing that grace does is this. Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. You see, the result of my ministry is because of grace. Just like we're talking about Amos. They say, Amos, don't prophesy. Amos said, do I look like a prophet? Amos said, I did not go to a prophetic school. You've never seen me in the camp of prophets before. He said, I'm a shepherd. Or I was a shepherd. And I used to tend vineyards. So it's basically, I was a farmer. I was on my field, minding my crops and minding my animals. When the Lord gave me a message to go and deliver. That is the story of Amos. That is, naturally, I was not qualified. Yet, I will prophesy. Why? Because grace has put a word in my mouth. So Paul said, among the apostles, I'm the least. I'm the last born. If you see what they call the class of apostles, there's what they call till now. I mean, you read people like, it's not only Ken Hagen that taught that thing. I saw in other people who obviously did not read Ken Hagen. The Holy Spirit is the same. And they, and they explain that the first class of apostles, they call the apostles of the Lamb. They appear like the highest ranking, if you had to use ranking. What are the apostles of the Lamb? They are the ones that Jesus picked by himself. They were 12. Judas being the 12th. Then Judas left, and his place, the Bible says, let another take. And Matthias was chosen to replace him. 
So those 12 people were called the apostles of the Lamb. They knew Jesus personally. Read the qualifications when they were going to choose um, Matthias. They explained that they must have been there from the beginning. And they must have witnessed everything, including the resurrection. I mean, it doesn't get better than that. So they could tell you everything about Jesus. You are getting my point? Paul said, I was not amongst them. Paul never saw Jesus physically. The way God did it, Paul never saw Jesus physically. While he was in the flesh. He never met him. So it was the least. If you account all those people, he didn't even qualify. People have said it before, you know, depending on the kind of books you read or ministers you listen to, they will say that, um, now what I'm saying, what they say is not true. I wrote it inside my book, Guided by the Spirit, that the, 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 the church, the early church, they said Paul was divinely ordained replacement for Paul, for, for Judas. And that it was because they did not use the Holy Spirit and they were casting lots. You know, don't worry about it. <laughs> Let me just put it like that. Analyzing that book, um, guided by the Spirit. Analyzing that book, okay? So, you know, that's not true. Paul did not have the qualifications to be one of the apostles of the Lamb. He didn't have the qualifications. He did not witness the resurrection. Yet, let's not sit on his disadvantages. All right? Paul said, I had many challenges. I had many weaknesses. That's number one. That's what we'll be going about. The Jews constituted themselves into a problem for the life of Paul. They were a problem. So he had all these disadvantages. So he said, I will boast in my weaknesses. He said, why do I boast in my weaknesses? Because when I am weak... That is when I am strong. How did he know that? Because the Spirit said to him, my grace is sufficient for you. Now that's why I bring the issue of grace. My grace is sufficient for you. What is my grace? It is my power that is made perfect in your weakness. Second function of grace, therefore, is that if God has called us to do something, if God has ordained us to be something in life, no matter the disadvantages, no matter the shortcomings, no matter the disadvantages, we will still become that thing to the fullest. Did I hear an amen? That's what it means. Literal disadvantages. Last time I explained, that's why Christians need to learn to brag on their disadvantages. Paul said, therefore, I will boast in my weaknesses. I will not moan <laughs> about my weaknesses. Therefore, I will boast in my weaknesses. Not complain about my weaknesses. Not wake up in the morning and explain that the problem with succeeding is the country. The country. You know, maybe... Sorry, maybe the people I hang out with, they are all crazy people like me. I think, Chooks, when I see you, people like you, Yenka, we don't know anything, Abi. I think we are not normal people. Because when I talk to normal people, I can't understand them. In this same country, they will sit down and say, man, nobody's going anywhere. And I'm looking at them that, which direction do you look at? Because I see people going everywhere, every day. I say progress every day. In fact, one brother told me that a group of people considered themselves into, you know, they, 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 well, let me tell you like this. A group of people came together to encourage one another and be sharing the good news of the country because they realized that people don't share it, that there's so much good going on. So now they, what they do, they just, anytime they hear news, they share it amongst themselves. That Listen, these ones don't make the news. He gave me a number of examples. Let me not get sidetracked into those things now. That, you see, so maybe because these kind of people I hang around, you know, I talk to. So I know the good things that are happening around. 
But what I'm saying is that people celebrate, you know, they like to complain about what they perceive as disadvantages. Country is so bad, we can't move anywhere. We can't go forward. Is this country going forward or going backward? We don't know what is happening. And you're looking at them, and you say, what? This same country I'm living in? And they want to go to a country they have never really been to before. Most people want to swim across the Mediterranean to get to Europe. They've never been there. They read only the good reports. These are the things that they project. People don't realize that, in fact, I feel sorry for those who live in some of those countries, like Western Europe, you know, Europe generally, and um, North America. You know, they don't know, they know very little about Africa. They know very little. The impression they have about Africa is terrible. Once we were watching TV, they were, told, they were showing, of course, CNN, which, as you know, I don't believe they're a news network. You know, CNN is not a news network. What I'm going to say is that, so one day we were watching CNN, and they were showing Zimbabwe, how everything was bad in Zimbabwe. They went to the shops and said, there's nothing on the shops anymore. The stalls are empty, and they will show you empty um, shelves in supermarkets. So my wife was watching, and she was getting angry. What kind of thing is this? Now I pipe down. I said, baby, when you want to shop for your family, how many times do you enter the supermarket? Where do they go? Where do you go? She said, Ogbeti. I said, let them show you the Ogbeti of Zimbabwe. You know that things are there. I said, the shop right of Zimbabwe, yes, it is, it is closing down. But enter the Ogbeti of Zimbabwe. I said, so what are the people eating in the country? I said, they are eating. Go to the village market, the one that hosts twice a week. You know those ones? Yes. Where people bring all kinds of things. I said, they are working. But CNN will not show that to you. Because if they do, it means Zimbabwe. Um, Robert Mugabe is not as bad as they want you to think. And this is the problem with a lot of people. I mean, they don't understand how news reporting has shaped their mentality. So you see people sit down in a country like ours, just pack their load, and say they are going somewhere easier. It's never easy. It's never easy. But they just assumed it to be easy. And every society has its own set of problems. Let me just remind you. You sit down in a, in a country like this, constant water and constant power is what you are worried about, right? Good. You will solve that problem and find a new set of problems up here. Some of the brother the other day, he said, he went, he was in the U.S. He was in a mall, which I think he was waiting for his wife to buy something. Then he saw, I think a transgender or lesbian woman appear, entered the mall, packing a pistol. Are you getting my point? Showing. Walking in like anybody talk to me, I shoot you. He said he carried his children and went and waited outside. <laughs> he said, "This is not life. Like, no, no, no. That this is not right. Why did I get, go into all of this? Listen, I know why I'm. I know why I went into this. Trying to explain to people. Listen to me. Life has challenges. You don't make decisions because you are looking for the easy life. You are forbidden. Now, listen to me." You are commanded by God. Otherwise, the day of judgment, you will have nothing to say. You are commanded never to make your decisions based on how life will become easier. What did God say? He said, instead, my grace is sufficient for you. That's what we are talking about. Instead, he said, my grace is sufficient for you. Not to chop life. You are not created to chop life. You know what I mean by chop life? 
You were created to fulfill the purpose of God for your life. So Paul said, despite all these my challenges, despite all these my troubles, realize, I realized something, that his power is made perfect in my weakness. And this is what grace is. We're talking about the second function of grace. The second function of grace is that no matter what it is that appears like weaknesses and challenges around you, you can fulfill the will of God for your life and be all that God created you to be. A bad economy cannot stop you. Do you get the point? I just need to emphasize that again. That's what grace is. So when we're talking about grace, when we brag on grace, we're not, it's not a cover for our misbehavior. No. Grace just simply tells us, you know, we, because of grace, they said they, they, no, in, you cannot be a Nigerian and not be corrupt. You laugh. The only reason why you can laugh is grace. That's it. Those who are telling you you cannot be a Nigerian and not be corrupt, they know what they are saying. But people like you that are saying that I can be a Nigerian and not be corrupt, you also know what you are saying. Grace is what makes us stand and do whatever we have to do. Ministry, business, civil service, academics, whatever it is. Being a housewife, whatever it is. And the pressure of the society can make us budge. It's grace. I told you before, I used to have a problem before, arguing with people. But now I don't argue as much as I used to now, unless you're a Christian. If you're a Christian, I don't argue with you if you're a Christian. I will talk, I will teach you and rebuke you and correct you. And if you still don't listen, I don't talk to you anymore. But before I used to argue with people on when people are making choices, what is right, what is wrong, what's the country like, I used to think that, you know, what I, my decisions were reasonable. I used to think the things I knew were obvious to everybody. But later on, I realized that no, it's a working of grace. Are you getting my point? Is a working of grace. It's grace. It's grace. It's grace. It's grace. That's why you just do some things that people will just marvel. Like, what? You made this decision? Why? To you, it's reasonable. But Paul said, no. It's by the what? Grace of God. Please, I hope you are getting my point. We need to emphasize this again and again until Christians understand it. Now, why did I read the things I read today? You know, we read two portions. We read Psalm 78. And then we read Numbers, um, Second Corinthians from chapter 5 into chapter 6. Let me read that line again in chapter 6. Uh, Paul said, and working together with him, we also urge you not to receive the grace of God in vain. That's just what I want from there. We urge you not to receive the grace of God in vain. Later on, I'm going to read further down from that chapter, uh, from verse 3. I'll read it down and further down. But let me just pass my comments now before I get down there. Now, I want to bring out something here. Paul said, we are urging you not to receive the grace of God in vain. And if you go back to that Psalm 78, he said, the children of Ephraim, they were armed. Yet in the day of battle, what did they do? They turned their back. God said, this is the problem I have. They were armed. Yet the day of battle, what did they do? Now, like today I was reading a commentary and he explained that what just happened simply, of course, what he was referring to, one of those situations would be that we found in Kadesh Barnea, in which they were supposed to go into battle, but they decided that they could not take the promised land. Now, please listen to this. Paul said, don't receive the grace of God in vain. What is he saying? That every child of God has grace. Somebody say amen. amen. Grace was not given to you just to brag about. It was given to you to do something with. Please, let's learn to fear God. We are people who have understood the fear of God. And what am I trying to say here? God says, when I arm people with grace, then they see challenges and they turn back. Listen to this. 
I treat them the way I treated the people of Israel at Kadesh Barnea. Did you hear what I said? You know what they call hyper-grace teaching? Now, I'll be honest with you, I've not listened to much of it. The so-called hyper-grace teaching means that no matter what I do, I will not be treated like the Israelites at Kadesh Barnea. Why? The grace of Christ covers me. But listen to me, it's not true. What God was saying here, that's why Paul said, I'm begging you, be reconciled to God. He's saying, don't accept the grace of God in vain. What it means, listen, I told you something, I don't know, okay, okay, not here, okay, okay, but let me just go back this again. We've talked about this before. This is how Paul used to teach. Anytime Paul is teaching, this is what he does. Paul starts, two things he does. Number one, he starts with explaining to you what God has done. You are blessed in Christ Jesus, he tells you. Your sins have been forgiven, he tells you. Jesus paid for the redemption of your soul. He tells you that. He explains to you that by grace you have been saved through faith. He explains that to you. He will tell you that righteousness comes by faith, not by your works. He tells that to you. He will tell you you have been reconciled in the body of his flesh. He tells that to you. He will explain all of these things that have been done for you by Christ Jesus. Paul does that. Then he plays like Ephesians. He gets to chapter 4, verse 17. Suddenly he switches. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, if you read to the end of chapter 6, in chapter 7, he will suddenly you see him switch. What does he suddenly switch into? He switches into, now that I've told you all of these things, what manner of people do you, must you be? He now tells you, like in that Ephesians, he starts telling you, let the one who steals, steal no longer. Don't defraud one another. He will tell you, Thessalonians, this is the will of God for you, sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. He turns around and says, husband, love your wives. Wives, be subject to your own husbands. He will, tell the, he will now tell the parents, this is how you deal with children. He will tell the children, this is how you obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. This is the, now, he starts, Paul starts from the beginning, telling you what God has done in Christ Jesus. That's how he starts. Then having said all of those things, now gets to a point, he now suddenly switches. It's as if, now that I have told you these things, now that you have these promises, now you need to make sure these things come alive outwardly. Then he starts giving you what you are supposed to do. The mistake a lot of people make, you know, I told you once I was on radio, some people said I, I was saying that salvation was by works. You know, I don't know how people can be so, you know, dense. They can't seem to understand. Seem, you know, once they've made up their minds about some things. That's why I had to write that thing, that when I said that, why James had to write. Now, what am I trying to say here? Paul was explaining that if indeed you believe these things that I have said, this is how he said it, you have to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. I don't know whether you get my point. You have to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Because without it, look at what he said to the Corinthians. He says, in chapter 7, in verse 1, he says, seeing that we have these promises, what do we do? We cleanse ourselves of all defilement of flesh and spirit. We perfect holiness because we have these promises. And that's what I'm going to explain here. He's saying that, listen, there is grace. If I don't find these things working in your life, you are accepting the grace of God in vain. I don't know whether you're getting my point here. Now listen, there's something, something else he said in Romans chapter 4, and I need to explain this. If you go to Romans chapter 4, Paul was teaching about grace, talking about faith. He now says something in verse 16. He said it has to be by, I just want to pick a line from it. I'm not talking about the details of justification and all of that. But that he said, it has to be by faith. If it will be in accordance with grace. What does that tell you? Grace must be activated by faith. I don't know whether you're getting my point here. Listen, that is, if I see temptation and I see troubles around me, 
I don't say God understands. This is the pressure of the society. Are you getting my point? I say now, this is sin that is manifesting. But I have what? Grace. So listen to me. I now have a challenge on my hands. To prove that the grace that I have received, I did not receive it in vain. I don't know whether you are getting my point here. That is what Christians must understand. Grace has been given to you. Added with that grace is a responsibility to make sure your receiving it is not in vain. Did you hear what I said? It's a responsibility. That is, I have, look, listen. All this is the Bible says they were recorded for our learning. You take a man like Daniel. He calls his other guys, brothers, we are going to a terrible zone. What do we do? We will prepare ourselves against what? Against defilement. Do you get my point here? You know, I used to say something here those days. I, you know, I've not said it in a long time, but let me just remember to say it so that somebody will hear it and practice it. If you're a pastor of a church, a church member comes and says that he has been appointed as the, okay, let's just say, FIRS, I didn't say FIRS here, FIRS boss, Federal Inland Revenue Service, yes, the tax people of Nigeria. Now, I'm not their boss. I'm a controller. What is the normal thing people do? You know, hey, congratulations. So now, when people tell you congratulations, you don't even know what they are saying. Most people I know what they are saying is our turn. We're now in power. If we need jobs, guaranteed. One of my friends is a, is a, one of my classmates and a friend, another of my classmates and friend, that one is his deputy. All right? They head a federal institution in Nigeria right now. Last time we were talking, the, the second in command, he told me that they wanted to em- employ 50 people. And they got 150 people that have letters from powerful people applying. <laughs> Did you hear what I said? <laughs> that 150 people applied with letters of introduction from powerful people. So feel sorry for those in power, please. I'm just begging you that the vacancy is for 50 now, those who applied may be like 200, 300, 400, 500, I don't know. But 150 showed up with, good afternoon, sir. Senator Ajale Koku said I should give you this. IG of police gave me this for you, sir. <laughs> I can assure the vice president won't write anybody any letter. But the senior special assistant to the president gave me this one, sir. That those letters came for 150 showed up with such letters. I told the boy, I told the guy, my classmate, I said, do. What, what else can I say? That is why I kind of feel like <laughs> when I know people in power, I give them space. Let, me, let them be happy to see me. Yes. Because the pressure on them, oh, it's too much. Believe me, the pressure is too much. But let, let us, let's not sit on that. So let us assume that. This man gets um, is a member of your church. He gets his appointment. If you're a pastor, please don't tell him congratulations. In that sense, tell him congratulations. So, what else can I say? But I know there's trouble ahead. There's pressure ahead. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Listen, that kind of position, there's pressure ahead. Listen, there was a there was a state in this country. They were doing their election. 
governorship election. Then the returning officer for the state ran away. I don't know how many of you remember. And before the returning officer disappeared, he said, listen, I don't understand what is going on. The few days later, the returning officer reappeared and read out the results, and some people won. Let me not speak further. And I talked to somebody who is in politics. He said, he said, these politicians, I know them. He said, they do two things. One, they offer you money, and they threaten you. Both of them go together. When that returning officer reappeared, the person told me, say, ah, hmm, I'm sure they've threatened the family. When they offer you money, you say, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I don't take money. <laughs> they buy a shot into the air. The next one, they aiming at your son. Are you still the righteousness of who? <laughs> As a dead Christian, say, you have to be different in this life. You have to be different. You can't just be like everybody else. You have to be different. You'll see what I'm going to say in a moment. When you see people in power, feel sorry for them a lot of times. You don't know what they are going through. I told you before, listen, last, I was so upset with Christians the last time. All the good things that this government is doing, they, they are not good for... Think, why would this day publish it for you? Some will definitely not publish it. Some will not. Who will publish it? They won't. They keep on looking for what is bad to publish. I said, you must not join the accusers of the brethren. You mustn't join. No, I went into that trying to explain something, right? So when you say a man holding that kind of position, <laughs> it's not a oh, congrats, oh, hey, hey, be smiling. Nah, how much is your Esther code? If you talk like that, eh, you are, you are, I don't know which word to use for you, but you, your, your God is your belly. You are, you mind earthly things. You don't understand heavenly things. What is Esther code? What is money? You should understand that this guy, he has just stepped into a place where his righteousness will be put to the test. Let's not talk about his life. Righteousness. Do you know why people ganged up against Daniel under the reign of Darius? This was what happened. Darius had a few high-level ministers who were in charge of all the other, what they call commissioners. In cha- because Darius' empire was vast. From Africa to India, Europe, look, different parts of Asia. Vast empire. So he had everywhere broken down that rulers. Put Daniel and a few other people in charge of those small, small rulers. Daniel did so well. So the king said, well, what else do we do? Let's promote Daniel. So that all the commissioners that were the high-ranking ministers will now report to Daniel. Daniel was supposed was about to be appointed what in modern days we call prime minister. Hey! Now boys gather. If you think corruption started today, they said, no, this must not happen. Because before, people knew that under the ministries that were under the coverage of Daniel, no, you could not eat government money. You behaved yourself. The king prospered so much once Daniel was in charge. So that's why he said, okay, everybody report to Daniel. And those men said, no, this must not be allowed to happen. What do we do? So they sent forensic auditors into Daniel's accounts. That this man must be eating money. It's just that he's very good at hiding it. Because some people don't believe that some people are straight. So they began to check. Daniel, did you hide this one? No. Did you do this one? No. They checked everything. What? Ah, ah. 
Somebody now say, look, I've been with this Daniel guy for a long time. You guys will never find him. Stop wasting your time. Unless the only thing that he fears in life is God. So you have to find a matter that's related to his faith. So they say, all right, what do we do? Uh, we have to have the king turn against him. You know the rest of the story. Of course, you know how they did it. They said, let's canonize the king. They went to the king and said, the way the earth has prospered under your rule, you must be a god. The king said, what? He said, pharaohs were gods. They told him everything. I'm telling you what really happened. Don't ask me how I know, because I know these things in very funny ways. <laughs> he said, look, pharaohs were gods. You too, you are a god. They wanted to turn him to what they call a god king. We do it till today. They call, we call it canonization. So let's canonize this man. So how do we canonize him? They wanted to prove to the king that he was a god. Let us see whether when people pray to you, they get answers. So if we can get like five, ten testimonies from across the kingdom, that means you're a god. We build an image in your, uh, we build your image, we build idols in your image, we build temples all over the empire where people can be worshipping you as a god. Now, he was a hidden man. Don't blame him too much for believing such flattery. And it was an experiment. There was no quarrel in it. How do we do the experiment? For the next one month in this whole kingdom, nobody prays to any other god apart from the king. We are just testing whether his divinity is genuine. Don't ruin the experiment. So to be sure nobody ruins it, the king, they, they drafted a law for the king. Sign here. By this law, our experiment will not fail. So once that was done, the boys began to pour champagne. All right, pop it, pop it. We've gotten Daniel. They knew Daniel would fall for it. They knew that was not a problem. So they circulated. Nobody prays for the next 30 days to any other god apart from our god king. Daniel said, you must be joking. The Lord thy God is one. <laughs> and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy mind, with all thy soul, with all thy prayer. So Daniel went to pray. You know the story, don't you? Why am I telling the story? Why did they do that to Daniel? It was because serious things were at stake. When you put your church member, it becomes FIRC, a minister of this, it becomes you know, NMPC boss, group MGMD. That's group MD of NMPC. It becomes, it becomes that. Don't think, it's not time to, for congratulations. Just remember the plotting against Daniel. They will plot against him. It will be done. Because some people have never done any other job in their lives, but it's government money. The moment they left school, they got a government appointment. 20 years, all they have done is eat government money. It was like that in the days of Darius. You now tell such people that they are not going to be in business again. Listen, they, ha- they will hire assassins, they will kill the man. I'm telling you the truth. And they have assassins that do, look, let me not give you stories. These are guys who charge, hit that guy, they tell you it's $200,000. They don't have time to carry Naira up and down. They will look for the money, pay. Can't you remember when a bullet went through the scarf of, the, of Duran Kuhili? You remember that time? Why? This woman was spoiling business. This is a multi-billion Naira business, faking drugs. The woman went after them every angle. Kano after them. Idumata Lagos after them. Ah, head bridge on nature. I went after them. Now the guy says, it's not one woman. One woman. Business week come to an end. They lined the road for her. Uh, uh, 
her convoy turned like this. They, they ran the place full of bullets. Bullets passed through her headscarf. Didn't you read the news that time? <laughs> After that time. So when you hear some people <laughs> driving bullet proof vehicle, don't blame them. They have fired at them before. I, I'm sure after that, eh, head of state say, hey, any NAVDAC bus, bulletproof. If I find you outside an armored vehicle, I sack you. <laughs> like somebody said that time that if the head of the real pharmaceutical companies in Nigeria should have come together to buy that vehicle. Because by doing what was right, she was boosting their business. She wasn't doing it for them. Look, that's what people have to deal with. So you just sit down, be crazy, sit down at home be criticizing. Look, <laughs> if they put you in the seat that some people are occupying and just give you 10% of the heat that they are sitting on, your clothes will burn. Are you getting my point? You will jump up. <laughs> That's why you have to pray for righteousness in the land. The Bible says God saw that who, whosoever departs from evil makes himself a prey. The Lord saw and he was displeased. Talking about grace. Is that about Christianity? I want to scare you. Hold your chair. You're about to get scared. You see everything I've told you now? It's scary, right? If tomorrow they offer you a position like that, you now say because you love righteousness, you will not take it. God will now kill you. God will now turn against you and destroy, by, destroy you by himself. Well, I don't know what I told Jeremiah. I said, Jeremiah, if you now run away, See, I know Pastor Banker has finished scaring you now. Now, tomorrow they will now offer you that seat. You say, conspiracy is too much. They will put me in prison for nothing. They may even shoot me on the road to Suka. <laughs> you now go and tell your people that for the sake of righteousness, you won't take the job. God said, this one is dead meat. As you are going home, eh? your tire will burst. This road that you don't even do more than 30 kilometers per hour. Your tire will burst, your car will somersault like four times. Then you come out of there, having sprained an elbow and the shoulder. You will come down, you will now wear cast. Then the prophetic word will now come to you. Says the devil wanted to kill you. Say, God, the God will say, me? No, do I look like the devil to you? It was me. You know how you will know? You just be going, that evening, your wife will now come and stay with you in hospital. Or your husband. Honey, what happened? I don't know. Were you the one driving? No. He was the driver. But I was watching. He was doing 40 kilometers an hour. We're not speeding. A car overtook you? No. Was there a pothole? No. How did you manage to suffer out? I don't know. So just let's just read the word of God to encourage ourselves. The Bible by itself opened to Exodus chapter 4. <laughs> you will now hear that the Lord met him at the inn on the way to kill him. That's Moses' oh. Once you read that one, you know, ah, it was the Lord, yes. Ah, why would the Lord want to kill me? They gave you an appointment. You say you are afraid of the people. You did not take it. The Lord will say, you see, who's worse, me or them? You will look. <laughs> you go back next day. Good morning, sir. Bring the job. Bring the job. We can do it. Amen. <laughs> but does it make it safer? Oh, no, 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 no. no. doesn't make it easier. It just means you now have to do what I was referring to. You start activating grace. That's where I was going. You start activating what? Grace. But this God has shown you that now, that it is either them or him. One way or the other, you're dead meat. So it's better to die <laughs> serving the Lord. <laughs> because that way, you might just live. Because Daniel lived. Are you getting my point here? Moses lived. Jeremiah lived. 
It wasn't easy for Jeremiah, but he lived. They tossed Jeremiah inside, you know what they call a cistern, that you dug a pit for water. So it was a bit dry, so the bottom was mud. They tossed Jeremiah inside, expecting him to starve to death. It wasn't easy. But Jeremiah to prophesy, God had warned him, if you turn, then you have now faced me, then me and you start boxing. That you are safer boxing them. At least I want to behind you. And that's exactly what happened. Somebody now came later, when nobody was looking, quickly sent rope down. Jeremiah put it under your armpit. They dragged the man out and threw him out and ran away too. I'm talking about grace. You know, I, I don't explain something here. So that you are the you are the pastor of this individual, you understand the challenges. Those that's the time you, you know, you now do what they call an anointing service. Look, you ordain a man for political office. We ordain people for ministry. We don't remember to ordain them for political office. They take a political office where where sin abounds, grace must increase. Where, 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 every, look at the you know our country. You hear what is going on pension funds in Nigeria? And somebody tells me that Buhari was not sent by God. Just because you don't like him. Trust me. He was sent by God. Now, I don't know how much of uh, pension funds matter you know about. I don't know much about that. Just know a little bit about it. But one, somebody testified at that time and said, oh boy, that this rot is deep. That the rot is deep. Nobody knows how much money and for how long some people wanted to cry. And you, he said, you see old men and old men going to do verification. They owe them pension for months. Yeah, the money was released. It didn't get anywhere. <laughs> if you are not anointed, you can't stop that thing. Let me tell you something you may not know about. When people say they join cult to make money, I keep on telling you, all this one they do in home video is a lie. Find me a nylon bag. You've heard us this. They said... That one person, they can down a cadaver. That gave her another number to cover her head because it was raining. He do like this. Now so disappear into wardrobe. Then <laughs> Naira began to fall out of the night number. <laughs> it's a lie. It's a lie. People who join calls to get money, they find themselves inside pension funds camp. That's what happens. What am I going to say? Those things are powered by blood. That's why they are hard to stop. They're not just human. Oh, God, I pray you get my point. Listen, listen. Satan came to Jesus and said, bow to me. I will make you rich. I don't know what he said. I'll give all these kingdoms. What am I going to say? Trying to end some of those things. <laughs> that's when you know that there's people. That's when you know, say, People, they join cults. You know people literally sacrifice human beings. Believe me, it's all for money. It's all for power. Although when you watch in home movies, you see one po- poverty-stricken witch in the village afflicting a fellow poverty-stricken businessman in town. It's for the sake of home movies. In real life, they don't have the time. What do they gain? You know they don't wake up in the morning. People just be sacrificing for nothing. Do you know how much they sell goats? $15,000 when the guy doesn't have anything for you to collect. I told you, my friend, he had a, he had a 
clinic in Amigo, in Nimu. Say so one, one guy, a, a village carpenter. One day he was sick, he was an admission, so he told the nurse. He thinks people are trying to kill him. My friend told me that I said my, my nurse was sharp mouthed. So the nurse looked at the man and said, You have a wife? The man said, No. You built a house? No. <laughs> you have any sizable amount of land somebody will be interested in? No. Say so you're a very foolish man. <laughs> he said, Do you know how expensive it is to kill people? This really happened. He said, my friend, get well and go back to work. Nobody's trying to kill you. <laughs> Nobody's trying to kill you. He said, because when we want to kill you, we have to have something we want to gain. We can't take your wife. We can't take your land. We can't take your house. We just invest 15,000 around goods. <laughs> How do we explain that in the cover? Misappropriation of COVID funds. <laughs> the Lord is good. What am I trying to explain? Listen to me. Listen, boys who do these things, that's where the power is facing. That's why it's facing. I told you some of you here, we're talking about school of prayer. We're talking about praying for government. I tell you, look, if you have anything to say about government, all right, be quiet. Especially federal government. Be very, very quiet. Because there are people who are scattering things. I remember our, our, our good professor, Nebo. Reverend, when he went into, they were appointed him as Minister of Power. <laughs> the man is in a suit. <laughs> he thought it was UNN. He was going to go to Ministry of Power and do wonders. He sat down there. By the time he was leaving, you know what he said? He said it, that what he did, when he was going in, he said he would cast out the demons. He didn't know they were not demons, they were principalities. They were powers. They were spiritual wickedness in high places. <laughs> he didn't get enough spiritual support. When he was leaving, you know what he said, I remember. He said the government has done everything that they should do. He said, but it's like see, some people have made up their minds. This thing will never work. He couldn't understand. Why can't you people just let things work? I'm explaining to you now. That is the reason. When things work, we go out of power. When things work, our money stops coming. So there are people who literally offer sacrifices every day. They may not directly say it like that, but what they are saying is that things must not work because the way they are structured, the way things are structured right now, they can only remain in power if things don't work. And if they are in power, things can't work because they are not working people. One is that there are some people eh, things have never they, they have never Paul said when you want to appoint somebody as a deacon, check whether he can arrange his own house. Yeah. Yeah. That's what he said. He has the one who bears who rules well his own household. He said if he can't arrange his house, how will he arrange the church of God? The same man as some people have never arranged anything. All their lives. There are people that they are broke constantly until those days, eh? I knew one of my friends told me one man in his locality. You see him always broke. Then once you see him begin to buy cloth, no political moves have come back again. Do you get my point? Those are the kinds of people that literally offer sacrifices. And those sacrifices are not, they are not, they are not joking. 
They sacrifice animals. They sacrifice things. They do all kinds. They pray all kinds of prayers. And the result is things don't work. Because some of the confusion in high places, spirit, I mean, that is, governmental places, is a result of, listen, some people say they are being, they are, that's how life is, let me tell you the truth. That's just life. Some of the confusion in, in governmental places is the effect of this multitude of spiritual forces coming from different angles. And that's why the church should do their own bit and make sure the only thing they do is to kill all those negative influences by their prayers and their words. Back to where I began all of this from. So the man is there. The pastor knows that, oh boy, you're about to step into office. It's war zone. But you are armed. Somebody say amen. amen. Say you are armed. Yeah. Say I am armed. I am armed. With, the power of God. With the power of God. With the spirit of God. You know what the Lord said? He said, say to Zerubbabel, not by his own power or his own might, but by the spirit of God. But by the spirit of God. Listen to me. As a matter of fact, God says, don't turn back, not because he wants to kill you, but because he says, those people are small compared to me. Are you getting my point? So such a person is going into power. We gather, you know, you bring oil. Sometimes we are we're praying for people who put one drop, do like this. That one, you empty the bottle. You keep the bottle there, the church will pray. You pray for him for wisdom. You invoke the Lord of hosts. Let's use modern words. The Lord, the Lord of armies, heaven's armies. That's the name of the God that protects. The Lord of heaven's armies. You invoke his name upon him. People will be firing words, the word of God. Of the increase of his government and of peace. You, those are the words you use. You will read Psalms. Lord, guard your sword upon your thigh. Write down prosperity in this man's life. Prosperously in this man's life. Because of truth. Because of righteousness. Let your right hand do terrible things in his life. <laughs> Lord, you will contend with those that contend with him. Not the one that you are content with the village which in your village. Who, there's nothing people are fighting over. People are talking about a dozen of countries here. You read those psalms, open the bottle of oil, and <laughs> you do it like the Bible says, from the head, the edge, to the <coughs> down to the edge of his trousers, oil is flowing. And tell the man, don't worry, the Lord is with you. That's what is called grace. Paul said, don't receive the grace of God in vain. What do we do? Many of us receive the grace of God. We use it for what? For nothing. We are looking for where life is easy. Where nobody will oppose us. As a pastor, you want to preach a doctrine that everybody agrees with. So that they will say, like that one said, like Paul said here. So you have a spectacular ministry. Did you hear that? Many preachers don't like to preach Christ. Why? Christ, Christ as a message is foolishness. Doesn't attract the crowd. He doesn't. He doesn't motivate people. Jesus is not a motivator. Many of the ministries we do these days, it doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't come. We have all, listen, you want to get people to hear the gospel, preach the gospel. Are you getting my point here? He said, no, we're not allowed to turn back. Grace is available. That's what I'm going to emphasize. It is available. I painted all the pictures I painted because I, I want people to know that there are, yes, indeed, there are challenges in life. But the God we have, you know what he said? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in them. 
Let the Oboni people gather and fire all the arrows. You know what it comes to? Nothing. It comes to what? Nothing. You will hear the news of what they are doing, but you know what it is? It's a way to scare you. You know, you must understand. Spiritual warfare, I pray people will understand this. Spiritual warfare, it's a battle of words. Someone will come and tell you, say, ah, sir. No, you can't recommend that. You can't sign that. You can't propose that. If you do, hmm, that is, they will use style. They'll be, do you get my point? Trying to scare you. The person giving you the news is one of them. That is some of the people that are advising you not to do what is right and just. Whether they realize it or not, they are one of them. They are working for Satan. That's what they are doing. And their job is to, to scare you. Be afraid for your children. Because first thing is that money offers. You see, this guy doesn't like money. So, the next thing is, alright, we'll switch to the other end, which is what? Threats. But listen, God said, don't receive the grace of God in vain. That's what I'm preaching this evening. Many times we are running away from challenges. Listen to me. It's called receiving the grace of God in what? In vain. There is what the Bible calls wisdom that God has hidden for the upright. Just know one thing. Once they tell you that's the business challenge in the country, know that God has given you what? A secret wisdom for the upright. Grace starts looking for the wisdom. I don't know whether you're getting my point here. Grace starts looking for that wisdom. Every society has its challenge. Last time I preached about the sacrifice of thanksgiving. God doesn't like it when his people don't face challenges. Yet they come to church to be dancing. God of miracle. Now my papa. And God is saying, which miracle are you talking about? They think the only miracle he does is to heal a headache. Which miracle are you talking about? You have never bothered to face a challenge. Every time power fails, you say, I'm, I'm leaving the country. Then, they, then when they grant you a visa, you start dancing, God of miracle. You say, God, so you call this a miracle? That's not a miracle. If I wanted to see a miracle, you'll have, you'll have stayed there. And let me make you rich there. Let me turn things around because of you there. Face the troubles, let us solve it, stand there. I will know that indeed you recognize me as a God of miracles. Stop looking for where life is easier, telling me I'm a God of miracles. Listen, let me end it here. The point I've made today is simple. Grace, let me redefine it, is God's power that works towards those who believe. We have a duty not to be like the people that God talked about in Psalm 78. And he said, the sons of Ephraim, they were armed with the grace of God. Yet in the day of battle, they turned back. And thereby breaking the covenant of God. We must not be like that. Grace was released for two things for us. One, no matter the pressures we walk in uprightness. That's the primary thing. No matter the mystery of iniquity operating the air, we walk in righteousness. We refuse and totally refuse to budge. We refuse to fall for their temptations. That's the primary function of grace. Secondly, God has sent each one of us into this earth. We have an assignment to do. Many men, the examples we have in the Bible, mostly prophets. You see Amos, they said, don't prophesy again. Told Jeremiah, don't prophesy again. They told the apostles, don't speak in that name anymore. Those are the challenges. But grace says to us, you can't turn back. You are not allowed. 
that is, there is nothing, there is nothing strong enough in life as a challenge to say, no, you will not succeed in what God wants you to do. There is nothing strong in life as a challenge to say that. There is nothing. That's grace. But last of all, I now said, it is our duty to do what? Activate grace. I wanted to read the, last, the latter part of 2 Corinthians chapter 6, but for time's sake, we'll not go there now, all right? But it's our duty to activate grace. There are things we do to activate grace. He said it has to be by faith that it might be in accordance with grace. So our duty every day to activate grace is to put the armor of God. He said put on the whole, what? Armor of God. He said the children of Ephraim, they were armed. They were armed. They were armed. What do we do when we see challenges? We put on the whole armor of God. But we must never turn back because of challenges. That's what grace does. We succeed despite the challenges. And listen to me, we boast of what? Our weaknesses. And it's important. That's one sign. That you are walking by grace. You start bragging on your weaknesses. You have ideas. Let's say you're a businessman. You have ideas. You have dreams that require hundreds of millions to accomplish as a businessman. Yet you don't have 10,000 naira. You start bragging. You don't know anybody. You start bragging. You start rejoicing on that particular, you know, what what I say. You are rejoicing because of that particular fact. You're a man called to ministry. You have so many things you want to do. Yet. No platform yet. No money yet. And you don't belong to any college of bishops that will help you. You know, there are colleges of bishops that will help you. They will promote you. They are doing conferences. They put you up there. By the time people see your faces a number of times, they start imagining that you are anointed. And once they start imagining you are anointed, you start getting you know, invitation here and there. People say they are destiny like that. But you don't have that. Yet you have the call of God inside your heart. Dreams, ideas. It's time to rejoice because the Bible says, God said to Paul, and Paul derived it from the words that God said to him. He said, when I am weak, that is when indeed I am strong. I hope you've gotten my point. Let's bow down heads and just give the Lord thanks once again for the grace of God. I wanted to celebrate the fact that there is nothing, no matter how tough it is, nothing is too big to prevent you from manifesting the reason why God gave you life. No matter how tough. I want you to celebrate that in prayer. Say, Lord, I thank you. Father, we thank you for today. We are not people that receive your grace in vain. But like Paul said, a manifestation is that I labor more than them all. We will take that grace, we will labor with it in the name of Jesus Christ. We will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. We will please him in all respects. We will bear fruit in every good work. Everything he has commanded us to do, we will do. In the name of Jesus Christ. I declare to you that goodness and mercy will go with you in Jesus' name. Divine favor will open doors for you in the name of Jesus. This is a fact. God will open doors that you did not even know were there. And you will step into it and manifest glory. In the name of Jesus Christ.